Hello and welcome to Harvest Church Podcast. Harvest Church is based in sunny Durban, South Africa. We are a family of believers who are passionate about Jesus. We really hope this message inspires you today. What I want to speak about today is really an indicator of actually who we are. It's called I am a believer, which means it's connected to you believing. What are you believing? And I, I want to give us a, a real reminder and an encouragement. And then, yeah, if you, if you feel a little prick or a little owie, don't blame me. Just go, okay, uh, I, I want to take, take this walk and take this journey and uh, I'm going to make it my own. And uh, the times that we're living in require us, really, to get our feet very, very stable on, on what we believe. And <clears throat> because otherwise, as the, the, the word says, we get, we get pushed by the waves to and fro, and there's instability that comes with it when we don't choose to believe what God says is true in our own individual lives. So I've got lots of scripture, and um, so grace is going to have to go both ways uh, today. And um, so let me pray. Heavenly Father, we are believers, and I thank you for your word, and I thank you for your name. I thank you for your character, and I thank you for what you've established. Holy Spirit, you are the teacher and the one who shows us, reveals to us, and reminds us of Jesus and reminds us of the Word. So I thank you that you're present, and I thank you, Jesus, for your Lordship in the house this morning. Amen. Amen. So if, if we do say that we're believers, why do we question and why do we doubt the facts of what God has said? Because in the New Covenant, it's about what God has done in Christ. Your life is what God is doing because of what Christ has done. If you've, cho- if you've chosen to position yourself to believe what He said and what He's done, and allowing the grace of God to journey you into believing. Psalm 138, it says, I bow down towards your holy temple, give thanks to your name, that word thanks, For your steadfast love and your faithfulness, for you've exalted above all things your name and your word. If you're only getting the word on Sundays, it's not going to do well for your own heart when life presses you, when circumstances change, when trouble comes. Jesus said trouble's going to come, be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. But it's when it comes. No, it's, it's like it's coming. It's, it's not a suggestion. You're living in a fallen world inside the kingdom of God. We have to learn what that looks like and how to live. And he gives us the tools. He gives us his word. He enables us. He gives us everything for life and godliness so that we can be successful in the journey. And it's the journey. It's important. Some of your belief systems aren't going to change tomorrow. But the more you position yourself in receiving the Word of God as true, 
and what God has done in Christ, you can speed up the process of your life. I'm a testimony of that. Psalm 138, 2 from the New King James, it says, for you have magnified your word above your name. Because his word comes from his character which is unchanging. Not a man that he should lie. We know who the liar is. And he comes with his thoughts, his opinions, his processes, his attacks against us. And the major thing that he wants to get you and I to believe is that God is the author of some of the things that you're going through. But his word and your belief in that is going to help your journey. And we're going to walk this thing. So it's a reminder again of what are we going to believe. What are we going to choose to believe? In Mark 11:22, Jesus says, and he answers them, says, have faith in God. Your trust, your belief, your reliance upon God. Truly I say, what, if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will come to pass, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. It's not a myth of what you're believing for. It's a fact that you can be established in and you can test him in his word. The Bible says a man with a crooked or a bent heart or an unbelieving heart can find no good. My heart is in unbelief in a certain area of God's nature and His character, even though you're in the kingdom and the good is around you, you can't find the good because your perspective is not in line with who God is and what He said. It says it's a crooked, doesn't it mean you're bad, it's just it's bent in a certain view of who God is, and you can't find the good even though the good is there. So when we usually take the word, we, we go and then consider it. We don't choose to believe it in that moment. It's, it's, it's why I ask myself the question, why is it up for debate sometimes? Uh, when, when the Lord says you're a son or you're a daughter, why is it up for debate? It's like, Father, thanks. I'm going to receive that. When he, when he says, I love you, why isn't our position, Father, thank you, I'm going to rest in that because you said it's true. If you've got an old covenant mindset, you're going to work towards all of these things and find yourself reviving the very things that you don't want to do. It has to be applied in grace for us to shift our hearts. When he says you're forgiven, what do most believers do? They struggle to be forgiven. You know, the tools of the enemy for generations has been to get us to doubt God's word. He wants that which has been created in his image, you and I, to be distorted outside of what he's spoken and what he's said about who you are and about your life. See, the enemy has looked at God's word. And you see that even in the temptation with Jesus, he uses the word of God, but he wants you to be in doubt and unbelief. So you're not going to walk in the fruit and the freedom of his word. James, it says this. I'm going to read from verse 5. 
He says, have joy in trials. Have joy in trials because they're coming. They're there. Then he goes and he carries on. He says, but if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach or without finding fault. You see, when a lie comes, you see, God is withholding from me, from me. We have to flip it. We have to flip it with the truth. And here's the truth. God is not for me, but the word says, if I ask, he's going to give without finding fault. He gives generously and it will be given to him. But he says this, which is the key. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. For the person might not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. is double-minded and unstable in all his ways. And all of us have experienced that. Have you? I have. I, I, I know what it feels like to be buffered by my beliefs and my unbelief in a moment, or the circumstance presses me, even though I've walked in revelation for a long time, I can still feel the pressure to believe something contrary to his nature. And the enemy wants to, me to believe that, that God is the author of it. And we completely forget that we live in a fallen world, that we're dealing with the prince and the power of the air, we're dealing with someone who hates us, and then there's evil people as well. But the enemy, he's like, oh, no, no, I'm going to make all that invisible. I'm going to get you to believe it's God. You see, believing is such a big deal. It means, in the Greek, to be fully persuaded in something. It means to be fully convinced. It means a heart that knows something. I know that I know, and you can't change my mind. You're not going to change my mind on this. Because I've gone to seek it out for myself. I haven't heard it from somebody else. I've heard it and then applied it to my life. I realize this suffering, hardship, heartache, all of those kind of things. There's two realities that I could have chosen in those moments. I'm like, either I'm going to allow this to determine the outlook of my life, or I'm going to go and find the Word of God, and I'm going to establish my heart in truth, because I actually don't like that. Who likes it? Like suffering, trials, all those kind of things. You see, happiness is connected to your circumstances. Joy is a promise. Very, very different. You can have joy in the midst of very horrible circumstances, because that's the promise. What does it say of Abraham... When God said to him, you're going to have a son, but his wife's 90 and he's 100. It says this, verse, uh, chapter Romans 4, 19, all the scriptures there, but I'm going to go from 19. He did not weaken in his faith, so God gives him a promise. And it says, verse 19, he did not weaken in faith my belief and my trust when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. So there was an impossibility, but for the promise. He chose the promise of, a, of the fathers whose character is unchanging, chose his word over his circumstances and his wife. 
Abraham was not initially the father of faith. He was actually started off being the father of failure. God makes him a promise, and then he goes, my wife's 90, and then Hagar, she's 20. She walks past and goes, oh, I, I want to fulfill the promise with her. Doubting because the circumstance of my wife, I don't know how this is going to happen. She's got a barren womb. That promise was made 25 years later, 25 years before, 25 years now. He did not weaken in his faith when he considered all of these things. You see, the enemy wants to weaken your faith when you start considering all of the circumstances. We start to get analytical about it. Being analytical is not a gift. It's going to confuse you. It makes the, the beautiful, simple, profound realities of the Word of God, we confuse that. He says, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. How did he position himself in the midst of circumstances that were speaking up against him? He did this for years. Fully convinced, the Bible says, or fully persuaded or assured that God was able to do what he had promised. So you have to keep flipping it back to the promise, flipping it to the truth of what God has done, because everything that you need is in Christ. So where are we going consistently? Romans 8, if you read Romans 8, Paul says also, after 20 years, he says, listen guys, can nakedness, can trouble, can persecution... Can being whipped 39 times, a couple of times, being left for dead, being shipwrecked, all of these things in my life, he goes, can all of these things separate me from the love of God? No. So if you're saying to yourself, God can't love me, you have to flip it with the truth that Paul, who went through a whole bunch of stuff worse than you, says, no, nothing can separate you from the love of God. And it says this, for I'm convinced, and that word convinced means I'm absolute in my belief. But it wasn't today I choose to believe this and tomorrow I'm going to be different. I pray for supernatural grace upon that belief. But you know what, guys? It's the walk and it's the journey every day to govern myself by what, Christ is, what the Father's done in Christ. And then I'm entered into a new, a, new covenant, a new covenant with better promises. Better covenant, better promises. Jesus has done it, therefore I can enter into it by grace. But you see, the reality is when God says something, you need humility to receive it. Not false humility or pride. Oh, God, I'm not good enough. You know what I've done. All of that's false humility to stay stuck in what you've made your identity. It takes humility, and I love this definition. Humility is this, agreeing with God at all costs. <laughs> you have to fight your mindset. You have to fight your circumstance. You have to stand in the realm of God's ability. You see, pride goes, says this, Christ's work was not sufficient. I will do it on my own. 
But remember, friends, if you're hearing this as hard and harsh, you've left the realm of God's ability. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this inside of the realm of the kingdom or God's ability. Because the Bible says, if God is for you, who can be against you? That doesn't change. He said it. You see, you have to flip the lie. But the what if, you know, those what ifs come. There's certain things that our own family we're facing in the near future. I don't have a clue how it's going to work out. But I have to stand in the faithfulness of his word. Otherwise, I waver. And my family knows what it looks like when I waver. May I become grumpy. I don't want to remain that way. Not at all. So... No matter what the circumstance, your rationale, your opinion, or other voices. I'm glad I've got Tanya as my wife. Imagine being Job's wife. She's like, you're still holding fast to your integrity. Look at all this stuff. Curse God and die, she says. Woo, you don't need a wifey like that, man. Woo. She's wanting you to dismiss the only source and promise over your life. Job, right at the end, right at the end of his life, he goes, whoa, the lights have just switched on. He says this in verse 40, chapter 42. I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel with the knowledge? Therefore, I've uttered what I did not understand. That should be a beautiful place of repentance. Oh, I didn't know that. Thank you, Father. I can renew my mind. I can shift. I did not understand things too wonderful for me, which I did not know here, and I will speak, I will question you, and you will make it known to me. I had heard of you by the hearing of my ear. You guys have heard a lot of good things here at Harvest. But until you see it, until it becomes revelation to you, things don't shift. And if we don't shift it, what happens is we're always on the line of offense towards God. And then he says, God, I now see you, therefore I despise myself and I repent in dust and ashes. You can do that. I don't want to dirty my clothes. So I go before the Lord on my couch on my pillow or put my go on my knees and, and I'm going, oh God, I'm so sorry that I didn't see you for who you were and for who you are. So that's what repentance is because I take the word of God that helps me repent into truth. He's always wanting to bring us into because he's a good dad. So in Mark, I won't read it, I'll explain the story. In Mark 9, Jesus walks into an environment where there's a whole bunch of people arguing and there's a dad and there's disciples and there's a whole bunch of things. And this father brought his son who had been seized by a demon and he was mute and he would explain, he explained it to Jesus. He would throw him into fire and water and try and kill him because that's the mandate of the enemy. Just by the way, don't make friends with him, man. You know, it's just like, what's the point? He's throwing him 
he comes to Jesus and said, Jesus, I brought him to your disciples, but these dudes could do nothing. And Jesus tunes, oh, we're on the clock, guys. I've only got three years. <laughs> got three years to get this into you. You should have been doing it. He goes, oh, faithless generation, how long have I got with you? And then he has a conversation. How long's your boy? No, so, so, since he's been so young, he says, bring him to me. But before that, he has this engagement with the father. And the father says, please, can you do something? Can you? And Jesus turns around and says, you can. Everything is possible for those who believe. So Jesus' one-step program of discipleship says, hey, you can. And he gives him this moment. But the father knew in that moment that his unbelief was standing in the way. And what he did and this, guys, we must do. Father, help my unbelief. Father, you say that you love me, you care for me. My family has a future. I'm so struggling to believe it. Help my unbelief. You can engage with the Father. He's not looking for your perfection in a moment. He's looking for your journey of trust and faith. And then he casts that thing out, and Jesus says, get out and never return. There you go. If you come across a demonic thing, tell it to Vi and then tell it to never return. Amen. Jesus teaching us all the time. You can, all things are possible. And then he carries on, and right at the end, the disciples are like, ah, oh, how do I, why can't we do this? And Jesus says, hey guys, this thing comes out through prayer and fasting. And now there's been a whole bunch of sermons on this, but all I want to say is prayer and fasting is there to help you persuade your heart. you separating yourself from other things to get the Word in you. Amen. It's like I'm hungry and I'm going to go eat the Word or I'm going to pray. So here's the thing. In my life, fast when things are easy. Feast when you go to war. Guys, I'm telling you, a fasted lifestyle keeps you away from emergencies in the kingdom. I position myself in intimacy, and it's not a hard work. I know why I'm doing it. I'm, I'm doing it to convince my heart. I'm taking the Word of God. I'm putting the Word inside of me because Jesus was saying to the guys, hey, listen, you can't now pray and fast when the demon's there. He says, you do it in the place of safety because I come out of the place of safety, I'm armed. And then all of a sudden, poop, it jumps out of you. And that demon comes, you, you sort it out because you're armed. So you must feast in war. I was in the army. They fed us really well when we were in operation. So when I go to war, I've got a leg of lamb and my knife. I'm eating and going to war at the same time. But in the place of safety, I fast and I pray and I arm myself. I get myself convinced of, the, of, of his word, of his nature, because when I step out into the world, I'm armed with the authority of the word of God. I promise you, you do that in situations, the Holy Spirit and the promise of the Holy Spirit, he will remind you of the words that Jesus has spoken. He will show you what is yet to come. He will help you in the journey. We're doing so much of our Christianity outside of the realm of partnership and inclusion with Christ. 
You see, you are the most powerful person when you have the word of the Lord in you. Now, the prophetic and all of those things are phenomenal, and I love it how kind God is. When a prophetic word comes to someone and it sets them free because like, Father, you know me, you're speaking to me. I love it, but let me tell you, if you don't take that prophetic word, line it up with the word of God, get, you, get it into your heart, you're gonna be looking for another prophetic word. This is to arm you and I as believers. Now imagine an armed company of believers that when I stand up front here, I'm armed to give out everything that I have. But if I only come here on Sundays and go, okay, I'm ready. It's not gonna happen. I'm gonna get tired. I'm gonna get exhausted. People are gonna irritate me. I have to I remain full because his word says that I have the fullness of Christ. Oh God, I'm empty. No, the Bible says you've always been full. You considering yourself empty outside of the promise. The enemy wants us to reason what God has said. He wants to overanalyze it. You see, friends, I know, being 50 now, I've got a past. I've got feelings, I've got memories, I've got flashbacks, I've got pain, I've got trauma, past things. But the enemy uses those things as traps and tools. He's saying, I'm only gonna have power over you if you believe it. It's not your captive, it's not your prisoner, it's not your bondage. You see, when you identify those things, your memories, your past, your trauma, as you, you become into bondage. You see, you can have your memory and be free. Because your freedom lies in being a new creature. That's where your freedom lies, in Christ. And those things come, they do. I remember when I was training in this. I would drive back from the mission field. Lord, do I tell the story? Because I don't want it to be offensive. I don't want the story to be offensive. So I'm driving back as a young believer from the mission field. We've seen signs, wonders, and miracles. I've probably told this story here. But while I'm driving in the car, boom, the windscreen becomes a movie and not a movie that I chose to watch. If you get the drift. Was it? The lighties are here in the front, man. <laughs> it was a naughty movie that came up on the windscreen. I didn't ask for it. I didn't conjure it up. I was in ministry, I was driving home. And I was like, what on earth is going on? And I agreed with God, I like what I see. Because I wasn't having false humility in me. I'm being truthful and I said, God, I need freedom. And he said, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, boom. I looked it up and it says, he who knew no sin became sin for me that I might become the righteousness of God. And he said, say that until the picture goes away. Guys, I, oof. I said that thing for 15 minutes. Poof, it disappeared. Then you want to see the madman outside of the car. Then I worshiped. Then I was driving, singing. I was going, there's my freedom. The word of God established in my heart. 
Guess what? Five minutes later, poof, it came back. Six hours worth of a trip. But right at the end, I didn't even have to use the word. I just said, ha, you're so stupid, enemy. Poof, gone. Never struggled with that stuff again. Powerful one scripture. You can do that for every single problem in your life because there's a promise connected to it. You see, our past shouldn't limit us. It should position us in thanksgiving that we knew. You're not your past. You're not your memories. You're not those things. You're new. And some of us have to fight a lot harder in agreeing with the new than others. Depends on what's happened in your life. So what, how much freedom you want because it's the truth that sets you free. See, I need a higher truth in those moments, and when a past memory comes up, you can see it through truth, and the truth sanctifies you. In that moment, truth sanctifies you. You see, when your pain is speaking louder than truth, when the good news is preached, we deny it. Somebody on this earth has had it worse than you. How about the parables? We don't get the word of God in us. We don't believe the character and the nature of God, who he is in every scenario. It's either a seed that's on the plant, and the Bible says Satan takes it. Can you put that scripture up? The guys can look at it. Mark 4. On the path, Satan immediately. Today, friends, you can hear certain good things. If you don't say, Father, open up my heart, Satan will steal it when you walk out the door. Oh, this church, this, uh, these eyes preach this. I don't know. There's no holy. Uh, no, no, no. Here, here's some personal responsibility. I'm going, man, I'm hearing the truth. What am I going to do with it? And it carries on. It says, the one sown on the rocky ground of the woes, they hear it. You hear it and you get so much joy. But here's the thing. <laughs> There's no root. You can endure for a while, but when tribulation, persecution arises on account of the word, immediately fall away. Who are you going to be? In this woke generation, who are we going to be? Who are we going to be when the agendas are pushed on us? Do I become tolerant? Do I agree with its culture, with its narrative? Or do I stand and God says who I am? And when it comes into my house, what do I do? And when there's thought process, where there's questions, I'm a father that will educate my kids in the Word of God. Because what they're doing is they're fighting the culture, and if the Word of God is not established in their hearts, let me tell you, the culture will swift them away very quickly. But who are you going to be? Who are you going to be? What are you going to allow? Because of freedom? No, don't use your freedom to do worse things. Just because you're free. We don't trample underfoot the Son of Man. It carries on. He says, Others among thorns. They hear the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things, enter in, choke the word, and, and it proves unfruitful. No one else can develop your heart but you. No one else can believe, and the importance of our belief. And then it says, but those who are sown in good soil, you can position yourself right now in the hearing of this word and say, Father, I want good soil. You can do it. It says, 
are the ones who hear the word and accept it. Hear the word, accept it, bear fruit, 30, 60-fold, and 100-fold. God's not a genie in the bottle. When I was getting attacked in my dreams early days in the ministry, going to certain areas in Africa, I would get, I would get attacked in my dreams all the time. And I'm, I'm one of these guys that I don't lo- let things lo- uh, like, it mustn't happen for a month for me. I'm like, one dream like that is bad enough. I need someone to teach me. So when my brother, I'm like, hey, dude, the enemy is like in my tent strangling me. I can smell it. He's like, oh. I said, why well, have I done anything in my life? He said, no, it's just because you're a believer. And said, so the enemy's going to test the authority that you know or you don't know. You're going to test that thing because he wants to take you away. He wants to enter you into the realm of fear so you stop doing what you're doing. So I'm like, well, what do you do? He said, bro, you need to go for the word. So what I would do, and I do this all the time for 20 years, this is me. You need to figure out what works for you. But I take his word, I take his name, and I go, Father, I thank you that you are my victory in Jesus. And then I take the scriptures, and I've got them on my phone. Father, I thank you that you're my victory in Jesus, and I would worship at the same time. I would walk, and I would pray in tongues at that same time. You know, when you're alone, you can do some really crazy things. I I taper it down when I'm with people. But I, I carry on, and then it's like, the name of Jesus is my banner and my signal of victory. I have all authority in the name of Jesus. So I'm sowing the word in my heart, because I want to then speak it. What happened, these things intensified in my sleep to the point that some of those moments in the beginning, I could wake up and go, in the name of Jesus, get out of my tent, and then I used language you could understand. But then I would go into even deeper sleep. The enemy, he he would want to influence myself, I'd go into deeper sleep that I couldn't speak in my dream. I was like, Holy Spirit, in the dream, what do I do? So think about the name of Jesus, the name above every name. You've got authority that your spirit will speak, and he's speaking because he is spirit. So sometimes I use the spoken word, but in those moments in my dreams, I had to speak by the spirit, and he taught me in those moments. Now, when I sense it, I speak quickly and easily. But I want to, when, when we are thinking that the enemy is attacking us all the time, in this moment, the Lord armed me while I was being attacked. Because I was like, I don't want to be attacked anymore. What does that look like for me? Get, arm yourself with the word. Arm myself with the word. Prepare myself for everything. Be prepared in season and out of season. I don't want to be, I don't want to prepare in the emergency. I don't want to prepare in the war. I want to be prepared for the war. If the war doesn't come, I'm still prepared. But here, you know what? Sometimes we think, oh, it's the enemy. No, we have to look at what we are allowing as a launch pad or a helicopter pad in our house. Let's read James. There's two very specific things that you can deal with in God You can deal with it in God. You can repent of it. And let me tell you, stuff will shift in your home. Who is wise and understanding among you by his good conduct, let him show his works in meekness 
of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not wisdom that comes from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy, selfish ambition, or self-seeking, I will, get, I will do anything to get my own way, there will be disorder, confusion, every vile or evil practice. You can sort that out by yourself. Quite specific. It is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic, and you can turn it around. If you want to continue with that behavior, you know, a, a bitterness is a very, very dangerous spirit. I've seen that shift and change families, households, and people. Selfish ambition, friends, you can shift it because the gospel makes you selfless, makes you giving towards. Selfish ambition, manipulation, all of those things, the Bible says there's confusion, there's disorder, there's vile and evil practices. But you can shift that out of your life. You can shift that out of your home by choosing to believe what God says. You can shift that in repentance. You can. You see, friends, I, I, I don't want to minister to feelings or emotions. I want to minister to your understanding. Because it's truth that's going to set you free. When the understanding of truth comes to my, into my beliefs, my, my emotions and my feelings shift. Okay, Richard, yeah, but listen, if God loves you, why are all these bad things happening to you? Let me ask you a question. Well, if God didn't love you, why did he put Jesus on the cross? God can't be good because bad things happen. I still haven't seen my breakthrough. Well, if he wasn't good, why did he put Jesus on the cross while you were still a sinner? Let it shift you back to that God is for you, not against you. Take the word of God, and sometimes, friends, I apologize for it, but sometimes you're going to have to journey believing, and breakthrough comes. Other times things happen quickly. Why we as a team want to be armed here, because we want to see things shift and change quickly. But maybe the Lord is inviting you into the journey to shift it on your own. Ask yourself the question. Let's not get distracted you know, as a believer as well, when we hear that song, it's my life. No, it's not. It's his. It's his life in you. His greatest desire has always been oneness with you. So therefore, I can no longer just what I do, I just choose what I want. No. No, I'm going to choose to do this to myself. I'm going to choose to harm myself. I'm going to choose to kill myself. No, you can't because it's not your life. Listen, I, Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me the life I now live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, then Christ died for nothing. I want to give us some, a flip scripture of how you can take a scripture and flip the truth when you're hearing an opinion or a lie 
Go to 1 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4. It's like, that's where, this is how we take speculations and arguments and lofty things. Father, this is how I'm feeling. This is how it's been. But Father, I thank you that your word says this about my life. I thank you that I've got life inside of me. I've got, I've got life eternal inside of me. Father, I thank you that you've positioned me as new. You've positioned me as a son. I thank you, Father, that there's fruitfulness. I might not be seeing the fruitfulness. Father, my tongue, I don't, want, I don't want my language to be like this anymore. Father, I thank you that you've given me language that changes things. You give me language that gives grace to the hearer. That's what the Bible says. You take that in your prayer time with the Lord. Often we think we've prayed. We wake up, oh, oh morning, Jesus. I, I pray my boss is going to be okay today. And I, I, I thank you that I'm going to have enough money for petrol. Amen. You, and no, you have done nothing. You've only frustrated yourself. But this is what it says in, in Colossians 1.10. It says, walk in a manner... That word walk is also the word, word think. Think in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Well, I, I, I trust here at Harvest we're increasing your knowledge of God. Increasing in your knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance, patience, and joy, giving thanks to the Father. Father, I'm unworthy, I'm, I'm not qualified. Said, giving thanks to the, who has qualified you. I don't feel qualified. I'm not qualified. My history tells me. The Bible says you're qualified. Where do you stand? You see, that's the fight of faith. That's the fight of faith righteousness right there. And then he carries on and he says, to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. Listen to this next thing. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness. Oh, the devil. The devil's doing this, the devil's doing that, and the devil's doing this. You have to go to that scripture, like I went with 2 Corinthians 5, and you have to go, I have been delivered from the dominion of darkness. I have been delivered from the dominion of darkness and been transferred to the kingdom of his beloved son. You have to take that scripture and you have to get radical with that scripture until it manifests in your life because it's his word. It's his word, and he wants it to manifest in your life. And he says, delivered, 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 in whom you have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is what redemption means, to, re to redeem by paying the price, to let one go free on receiving the price, a releasing affected by the payment of ransom, deliverance, liberation procured by the payment of ransom. Jesus did that. He paid the price. You see, friends, don't become what you're going through. Stand in what he went through so you can face what you're going through. I thought that was quite a good quote, by the way. Was a good one. I'll say it again. Don't become what you're going through. Stand in what he went through so you can face what you're going through. And friends, here, you've heard this thing of thankfulness the whole morning. Thankfulness is the barometer. It's the barometer, am I seeing the world outwardly through the kingdom or have I gone inward? No thankfulness, you go inward. You're taking life personally. Circumstances are determining your life and the enemy goes, ooh, if I can get him out of thanksgiving, he's gonna start to work it out in his own mind. Offense at God is close. 
There's a word of truth for every lie and doubt. Please say this with me. I am a believer. I will be a believer. I will not stop being a believer. And I'm going to convince my heart of who God is and who I am and that He's for me, not against me. Friends, this is not a self-help message. The Bible says this, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Yes, I haven't been to the gym for a while, but when you go, and afterwards you can't even brush your teeth. That's what it means. It means you work it out that you are trembling, trembling with a revelation of who God is. You see, I know this one thing. The more grace of God I apprehend. You see, this is, Paul says this, I press, I press into God that I may apprehend what he apprehended for me. <laughs> yes, yeah, so what a great scripture. But to convince your heart, friends, is back in the garden to tend and to keep your garden. Guard your heart above all else, for out of it flow the issues of life. I want the issues of Christ's life to flow out of my life. And he, he gives us his grace, and I, I apprehend the grace, and the more I apprehend the grace of God, and the closer I acknowledge where I am in his presence the more awe and the more majesty and the more I just want to worship happens. The closer I get, the more I want. And His grace, when I fall, picks me up. And His grace takes me further into the closeness of who He is because I want the Christ life to reflect in my life. And it reflects the most, friends is when you're in a hard battle with your beliefs and your circumstances. Friend in the state, Steve Backland, there's no hopeless situations, just hopeless beliefs. It's a reminder for us as the body. You can have as much of the king as you want. And that should spur us on to go, wow, Father, he's made it available. I can have everything of him. But it's a journey. Take the journey. Take the Lord at his word. Honor his word even when you're in unbelief. Take his word. Honor it. You will magnify what he's magnified. Let's stand together. So thank you for going on that journey with me. Apologies, it went a little longer. But Heavenly Father, 
your promise. Your promise that Holy Spirit would teach us, would lead us, and would guide us, would help us. I thank you for your word. That is a love letter. Every epistle is an absolute love letter for you to take hold of. I thank you, Father. There's no other options for some of us in this room. I want to say all of us, but until you narrow your options, you've still got options. There's no other options but for us to believe your word, to believe what Jesus fully accomplished on our behalf, and to live out my walk by the grace, the mercy, the peace, and the love of God. Thank you that you love us so much that you want us you want us to walk this, this road, walk this life as believers. Not just Christians on a Sunday, a believer. So Holy Spirit, rest upon us. Rest upon your word. Rest upon the seeds. We open up our hearts to be fed by you, to be changed by you, for fruit to develop in our hearts and our lives. I thank you, Father. You deeply care about us. You're on the journey with us. You will never let us go. And I thank you for that. Rest upon us. Let your anointing rest upon us. Rest upon us, Father. Let our hearts burn because of truth. Burn. It's the goodness and it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And if you've got those two areas in your life, deal with it now in Jesus. Jealousy, bitterness, selfish ambition, deal with it. Because you don't want what is unspiritual and demonic in your heart. Deal with it. You do it. Father, I thank you. Thank you for our life. Thank you for your life. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Bless you. Amen.